Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. With your host, Brandon Okuma. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Let's Go, Brandon Okuma podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about Joe Rogan's censorship, countries starting to ease on COVID mandates, inflation, and Joe Biden using taxpayer money to fund crack pipes for the drug addicts. So what we've been seeing for the last few weeks is the crazy left trying to deplatform and censor Joe Rogan. And the reason for that is because he has on people that they don't like. Um, and Joe Rogan has a famous podcast. He has on people from different walks of life, people on di- who have different stances. And he has he has a conversation with them. But the thing the left doesn't like is that he has on people that don't have the same narrative as they do. People like Ben Shapiro, Dr. Malone, Jordan B. Peterson. And so what they're trying to do is deplatform him for giving these people a voice on his podcast because his podcast reaches millions of people. So what the left has done is over these last few weeks, take shots at him and they're going to keep doing that until he finally bends the knee, which I hope he doesn't do. But the left has put together old videos of him from his podcast of him saying the N word, this is the most, this is the most recent occasion that they've tried to attack him. And they've taken it out of context. He said that they took it out of context. He regrets saying that. And when he said that, it was a long time ago. But this is what the left does. They they go back in time. They try to dig up whatever they can on someone, pretty much blackmail them, and try to get everybody on board to cancel them, get them to apologize, and then they cut their head off. It's pretty much, if you ever seen Game of Thrones, it's pretty much the same situation as when Joffrey captured, and the left's Joffrey, when Joffrey captured Ned Stark, lied about something he did, and then they pretty much said, look, you can apologize and live in front of everybody, or we'll, we'll kill you. Well, he apologized, but Joffrey still decided to cut his head off, and uh, this is basically exactly what happens. Once you bend the knee and you apologize, they don't. the left doesn't care. Liberals do not care if you do apologize. Your apology means nothing to them. They want to show their power, and then they want to get rid of you, which is exactly what they're trying to do to Joe Rogan. So they came out with that video of him saying, all the different N-words, saying the N-word multiple times on different occasions. Now, Joe Rogan is not a racist person. Multiple people have come out and said that. The intent behind him saying that word was not racist. They're just, the left is just trying to get a rise out of everybody else because they know this this could be the dagger that puts him down. And we've seen this all too many times already. We know exactly what kind of game they're playing. We know what's going to happen if you apologize. And this is Joe Rogan should not apologize at all. He should tell him to kick rocks. It'd be funnier if he actually sent this out as an apology instead. I've spent a lot of time, Joe, slating everybody in the company. Backstage, I'm starting fights off everybody. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. For the love of God, Joe Rogan, please let this be your apology to them. And for everybody else who who the left tries to censor, let this be your apology to them. Do not apologize. Tell them to shove it. Because if you do that enough times, they're just going to give up. They're going to say, shoot, we can't get this guy. He's too good. He's not going to bend the knee. So we can't cut his head off and get rid of him. Now, Joe Rogan is starting to get that knee. He's starting to get that knee bent a little bit. What he what he had to say about that video going out was, in a quote, there's nothing I could do to take that back. 
I wish I could, but obviously that's not possible. I do hope that if anything, that this can be a teachable moment. Don't do it, Joe. Do not do it. You got too many people behind you supporting you. And actually what the sad thing is, is that people like The Rock and Spotify and Andrew Yang, those two people and that entity were showing support for Joe Rogan. And then they had to do a flipperoni because the left didn't like it. Here's what uh, The Rock had to say after Joe Rogan posted his video of him at home. After Joe Rogan explained why he had certain people on his podcast when everybody was getting upset at him first, trying to cancel him off the start. And he explained, hey, I have certain people on my podcast. Many of them are qualified. All the things that we've talked about already that you called misinformation turned out to be true. There's a reason why I'm having these people on is because I like to ask them questions, see what they think on certain topics. Well, The Rock was showing support for him. This is what The Rock said as a reaction to that video that Joe put out. He said, great stuff here, brother. Perfectly articulated. Look forward to coming on one day and breaking out the tequila with you. And then the singer, India Ari, or however you'd pronounce it i don't even know who she is she's the one who posted the videos of joe rogan saying the the n-word and after that the rock withdrew his support for joe rogan the rock pretty much told joe rogan hey man i support you and then he walked around him grabbed a big old knife and did his thing stabbing him in the back this is what Dwayne the rock johnson had to say about that he said after the video came out he was not aware of the slur before his, his earlier comments, but now I've become educated to his complete narrative. It was a learning moment for me. The Rock can go pound sand. Blows my mind how you can support someone like that, and then the, the minute you get flack from it, you turn around and stab him in the back. And Andrew Yang did the same thing. Andrew Yang came out tweeting saying that Joe Rogan isn't racist, and then the left erupted on Andrew Yang, and he flipped the script again and this is what andrew yang had to say after he got flack from the left ended up deleting his tweet supporting joe rogan he said i deleted the tweet because it was wrong-headed it also hurt people which is never my intent i'm sorry i'm learning and appreciate those who react who reached out to express their feelings whatever happened to the saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me I think the problem with the left is that their parents never taught them that. So here they are. Words hurt you. We're living in a world now where sticks and stones may break my bones, but words probably hurt me worse. And it doesn't just stop there, you guys. Spotify is doing the same exact thing. Some of the employees got butthurt about things that he said or the fact that he's even part of the Spotify team, that Spotify is paying him lots of money to exclusively have him on their app. But this is the the statement that Spotify issued to their company and the people who were whining and being big old whiner babies about this whole thing. They said, there are no words I can say to adequately convey how deeply sorry I am for the way the Joe Rogan experience controversy continues to impact each of you. Not only are some of Joe Rogan's comments incredibly hurtful, I want to make clear that they don't represent the values of this company. I know the situation leaves many of you feeling drained, frustrated, and unheard. I think it is important you're aware that we have had conversations with Joe and his team about some of the content in his show, including his history of using some racially insensitive language. Following these discussions and his own reflections, he chose to remove a number of episodes from Spotify. He also issued his own apology over the weekend. And then they went on to say, While I strongly condemn what Joe said, I agree with his decision to move past episodes from our platform. I realize some will want more. And I want to make the point very clear, I do not believe that silencing Joe is the answer. So that's from Spotify. It's not going to stop. People are going to continue to hammer Spotify, Joe Rogan, trying to cancel him because they know that they're gaining ground on, they're gaining ground on him. And what Joe needs is a strong support system. So if you haven't heard of Rumble, Rumble is another app and it's, you can post videos, you can interact with people. It's pretty much the same kind of stuff. And Rumble has offered to pay Joe a hundred million over four years to bring all his episodes over because Spotify and Joe have taken on off over 113 
or they've taken off about 113 of his episodes off Spotify. They're no longer there. Spotify is bounced those out. Well, Rumble said, hey, we're going to pay you $100 million if you come over with us over the next four years and you could bring all your episodes because we believe in freedom of speech. We believe in expressing yourself and we're not going to allow people like them to try to shat on you and what you believe in and then censor you and get rid of everything that you've said in the past. And I, I think if Joe was a smart man, which I, I really do think he is, I think his best move would be do that, move over to Rumble, because they're definitely going to protect him. From what I know of them, they are a conservative, free speech type company. And shoot, I'd work for him if I was him. Who wants to work for someone who's not going to support you and stab you in the back when times get hard? So Joe, if you're listening to this, take my advice. Apologize like Conor McGregor apologized. Leave Spotify, head over to Rumble, where people are going to support you. In all this bad, there is some good news going on in the world. Multiple countries now have started to lift their COVID mandates, reopen up their countries because they're finally realizing that Omicron isn't as deadly of a variant. And the thing that we've been saying over a year is that we're just going to have to live with this. And so countries are starting to realize that. They're starting to open up their countries, lift mandates, which is a good thing. Some of the countries across the sea uh, like Denmark, who became the first EU country to lift all COVID-19 restrictions. Other places like Sweden and the UK have also started to lift restrictions around the countries, open it up because we'll never really get rid of COVID. And the minute you come to terms with that, the better off we'll be. So what's kind of comical is that over the last year, conservatives have been saying, this is something we just got to live with. COVID's not going away. There's no reason we should be having these mandates and restrictions on People, when we need to get them back to work, we need to try to save our economy because it's gone down the toilet. We're, we're the freest country on earth. We don't want to be the country that makes that big power grab and tries to control its citizens. So these conservative states, they went back to normal a long time ago. Probably about a year ago is when conservative states started going back to normal saying all this. Hey, it's just something we got to live with. And now the rest of the world's starting to come around. What we've been saying for all this time, we got these new countries who are doing the same thing saying the same thing, we just got to live with it, especially since Omicron, although it is a lot easier to catch Omicron, it's a lot less deadly than what the Delta variant was. And then with the CDC data coming out saying that if you already had COVID, you're even more protected than someone who's only had the shot and who's never had COVID. But it's funny to see these left-leaning news outlets and states finally coming around because things aren't going very well in their countries or their states. So you got Axios with a story saying Americans learned to live with COVID. You got Time saying why 2022 is the year we learned to live with COVID. CBC News, Canada is shifting to living with the virus for better or worse. Washington Post, Americans should be learning to live with COVID-19. Wall Street Journal, Omicron pushes health authorities toward learning to live with COVID. When we've been saying this the last year, people have given up two years of their life that they're never getting back because people didn't want to look at the big picture and say, hey, this is just something we're just going to have to live with because it's not going away. It's going to be like the flu. It's time to get people back to work. It's time to get this economy up and running. And now two years later, we're finally seeing that happen. If you haven't heard of it too, there's a recent study by Johns Hopkins University that was done. And what they were studying was how effective the COVID lockdowns were, which basically their conclusion was they weren't at all. And this is from Fox, written by Joseph Wolfson. And it says, according to John Hopkins University meta-analysis of several studies, lockdowns during the first COVID wave in the spring of 2020 
only reduced COVID mortality by 0.2% in the U.S. and Europe. It says, while this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. The researchers wrote, in consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. And they went a little deeper. So it says, the researchers, John Hopkins University economic professor Steve Hank, Lund University economics professor Lars Jonang, and special advisor at Copenhagen Center for Political Studies, Jonas Herbie, analyzed the effects of lockdown measures such as school shutdowns, business closures, and mask mandates on COVID-19 deaths. They said, we find little to no evidence that mandated lockdowns in Europe and the United States had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality rates. From the study, researchers also pointed out other unintended consequences of lockdowns, such as rising unemployment, reduced schooling, and increase in domestic violence incidents, and surging drug overdoses. They said from May 2020 to April 2021, the U.S. recorded over 100,000 drug overdose deaths, a 28.5% increase from the 78,000 deaths were recorded in the previous 12-month period. And a study from the National Commission on COVID-19 and Criminal Justice last year found that domestic violence incidents increased 8.1% in the U.S. after lockdown orders were issued. About 97% of U.S. teachers said that their students have experienced learning loss during the coronavirus pandemic, according to a Horace Mann survey last year. The unemployment rate peaked nationwide at 14.8% in April 2020, but declined to 39 in December, which is still slightly higher than the 3.5 rate it was in February 2020. And lastly, they said these costs to society must be compared to the benefits of lockdowns, which our meta-analysis has shown are marginal at best. The researchers at the Johns Hopkins University study wrote, such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument. So basically what we're getting from the study is that the lockdowns helped almost 0%. What they did do is increase drug overdoses, increase domestic violence, and increase a learning loss in students, which is sad because the effects from all these are going to go on for a long time now, especially the learning loss for students. That's a year or two of schooling they can't get back, or they might have to redo, which is even worse. And I pointed out earlier that there are states in the United States that have been open for close to a year now, and there's states who are still trying to hang on to the mandates and the restrictions. And to go over some of those, this is from the AARP, and I want you to try to pay attention to what states have been open, what states are still trying to hold on to these lockdowns and enforce certain restrictions. Alabama, fully reopened on October 25th, Governor Kay Ivey, Republican, issued an executive order that prohibits any state executive branch agency from penalizing a business or an individual not complying with President Biden's federal vaccine mandate. Ivy signed a bill into law that prohibits local government entities, schools, and businesses from requiring proof of vaccination as a condition for admission or to receive goods or services. Alaska, fully reopened. Governor Mike Dunleavy, Republican. Dunleavy issued an order banning all executive branch departments from requiring any person to provide proof of vaccination. Arizona, fully reopened on September 27th. Governor Doug Ducey, Republican, signed in an order prohibiting local government from issuing vaccine mandates. Let's switch it up a little bit. California, Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat. The state health department has ordered all the individuals to and older to wear a mask in indoor public spaces and businesses from December 15th to January 15th regardless of vaccination status. Newsom announced that effective September 20th, 2021, vaccination verification or negative COVID-19 test is required for indoor events with more than 1,000 people. The LA County City Council on October 6th voted to require proof of vaccination for people entering restaurants, gyms, and other outdoor settings starting November 4th, 2021. Connecticut, Governor Ned Lamont. Democrat. On January 6th, Lamont signed an order that requires state hospital employees and employees of long-term care facilities to get COVID vaccine booster. 
District of Columbia, Mayor Muriel Bowser, Democrat, announced the launch of a vaccine passport program as of January 15, 2022. Individuals 12 and up must have received one dose of COVID-19 vaccine to enter indoor food establishments, fitness centers, cultural and entertainment facilities such as movie theaters, and event or meeting establishments. By February 15, individuals 12 and up must be fully vaccinated to enter. Florida, fully reopened on September 22nd. Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican, signed an order protecting the right of parents to choose whether their children wear a mask in schools. In May, the governor signed a bill that prohibits vaccine passports. Georgia fully reopened on August 19th. Governor Brian Kemp, Republican, signed an order that prohibits local governments from mandating COVID-19 restrictions for private businesses such as vaccine mandates and mask requirements. So I hope you're catching on to a little pattern right there. You got the Democratic states who still have the mandates. They like to enforce them. And then you have the Republican states who have let go of either all their mandates or most of their mandates and a lot of the states that are ran by Republicans, those governors try to make sure that in the future, you couldn't put those mandates back into place. Because what if this happens again? What if we have another pandemic, everybody freaks out about it, and then, you know, they try to mandate everybody to do the same things. And there's a lot of people not happy with what's going on right now. And Republicans understand that. That's why they're like, hey, we don't want this to ever happen again. We don't want the government or the state to be able to take power away from the people. These people are grown. They're adults, and they can make these decisions for themselves. The state doesn't need to do it. The federal, gov- the federal government doesn't need to do it. Now, however, on the other side of the aisle, the Democratic states, I don't see them banning any of the mask mandates or vaccine mandates that they've already put in place. I don't think we'll see them when it's all said and done, putting in place that you can't do that in the state anymore. Now, what we're going to start to see is these Democratic states rolling back on their mandates, which we're already seeing right now, actually. So New York, New Jersey, California, Connecticut, Delaware, and Oregon are some of the Democratic states that are going to start slowly easing on their restrictions and mandates. And they're going to say the reason for this is because COVID rates are dropping. But I think in reality, it's because this is a year where there's going to be a lot of elections going on. They understand there's a lot of people who aren't happy. And if they don't change something quick, they're going to get voted out which should definitely happen. Now picture this, another pandemic happens. Do you want a Democratic governor to run your state, to shut everything down, to require vaccine passports, to require mask mandates anywhere you go? Or would you rather have one of these Republican governors who understand this is this is a bad idea, this whole thing is a bad idea, I'm going to leave it up to the people. So when you do vote, I encourage you to look down into the future and base that off of what's going on right now, because you never know, it might happen again. And you know what else might never happen again is a better chance to buy a house, even though the market is freaking crazy. But if you don't get in right now, and I'm not saying right now is a great time, but interest rates are supposed to rise according to the Federal Reserve. Why that may be happening, you ask? We have created a artificial inflation in our in our country from keeping people from going to work and pumping a ton of money into the economy by printing it. And the majority of our goods come from other countries. And we had that shipping problem going on. Now we have a low number of goods and we have too much money that's already printed. The value of your dollar now automatically becomes less. If you're not surprised by this, it's because I think we all saw this coming. According to Bloomberg, the consumer price index probably jumps 7.3% in January from a year ago, the largest annual advance since early 1982, according to the median projection in a Bloomberg survey of economists. And just to go over the inflation rate over the last uh, about five years, about five years ago in 2018, it was around 2%. 2019, a little lower than 2%. 2020, around 2%. But in 
but dipped down underneath 1%. 2021, we started off and it was just underneath 2%. Ever since Joe Biden's been in office, it has jumped from just below 2% all the way up to 7%. Now you see why they call it Biden inflation. And we are extremely lucky because if Biden passed his Build Back Better plan, where he planned to spend trillions and trillions of dollars, money that we don't have, and what's comical is that he said it's not going to charge the taxpayer anything, even though I don't know if he knows, but the government gets money from taxpayers to pay for everything. So technically the money would actually come from you. So he's he just lied about it, probably because he thinks some people are dumb enough to believe him. But if he passed that, then I mean, we're already screwed. But if he passed that, we would be even more screwed. We're already seeing increase on groceries. We're already seeing increase on fuel. We went to the grocery store the other day and it cost $160 to fill out maybe three quarters of our cart. And that was at Walmart. But I think people need to buckle up because the way inflation is heading right now, it's not looking good for us. But you know what? Although Biden didn't get his Build Back Better plan passed through that would have cost us trillions of dollars. Instead, he's going to spend your taxpayer money to fund a crack pipe distribution. And he's doing it all in the name of racial equity. According to the Washington Free Beacon, the Biden administration plans to spend $30 million on a program that will provide smoking kits to vulnerable communities. The $30 million grant program, which closed applications Monday and will begin in May, will provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to help make drug use safer for addicts. Included in the grant, which is overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services, are funds for smoking kits, supplies. A spokesman for the agency told the Washington Free Beacon that these kits will provide pipes for the users to smoke crack cocaine, crystal meth, and any illicit substances. HHS said the kits aim to reduce the risk of infection when smoking substances with glass pipes, which can lead to infection through cuts and sores. Applicants for the grant are prioritized if they treat a majority of underserved communities, including African Americans and LGBTQ LMNOP persons, as established under President Joe Biden's executive order on advancing racial equity. Democratic-run cities such as San Francisco and Seattle have distributed smoking kits to residents. Some local governments, however, in recent years backed away from their smoking kit programs over concerns they enable drug abuse. Well, no kidding. Of course that's going to enable a drug drug abuse. Whatever happened to the war on drugs, I think it died. Joe Biden and the Democrats took the war on drug, grabbed its head, and slit its throat. I think what their campaign slogan on this is probably going to be, um, do drugs, kids. They're good for you, and maybe someday you can have one of these kits as well. This money could be going towards something a lot more helpful, maybe like our southern border, maybe towards cancer studies. But now I'm asking too much. We got to take care of the people who really need to get a high instead of people who might die of a natural cause instead. This is the country we live in now, but if you don't want it to be like that, I suppose you should make a change. Thank you guys for listening again, and let's go, Brandon. Yeah, they're chanting. Let's go, let's Brandon. Go Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Go Brandon, I agree. If you're trying to reach me, have questions, concerns, even hate mail, please send them to my email, lgbo at lgbopodcast.com.